0: Just for a few moments, I want you to look at something intriguing. One of, the things, one of the things I like to do when I preach and study, I like to pull out things that normally you don't see, okay? Now, I don't claim to be the world's greatest preacher or theologian by no means, and that statement is not false humility. I just don't claim to be. But I do love the Word of God, and I love finding nuggets in the Word of God. I really do, and I love to discover things that I could put to use in my life. And, you know, I love all types of preaching. I love topical preaching. I love expository preaching. I love narrative preaching. There's many different ways you could preach a sermon. But I'm I'm convinced that the best way to preach a sermon is the way that Jesus preached. And Jesus always preached from a story. And he took a story and, 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 and relayed a story. There was a story within a story. I think that's the best way to do it. So tonight... I want you to see something in the book of Genesis chapter 5 that reveals the redemptive plan of God. Genesis chapter 5. Genesis chapter 5 deals, the, deals with the redemptive purposes of God. Now, before you turn there, I want you to hold your finger at Genesis 5. Go to Matthew chapter, number, Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, and look at the words of Jesus here. Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. Jesus says this, Do not think that I've come to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For surely I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass away from the law till all is fulfilled. Jesus made this great statement to religious leaders. He made this great statement even to his disciples, that his purpose was not to destroy anything that God had established in the Old Testament. If we're not careful as New Testament Christians, as Christians who love the Word of God, we, and I, I think I could say this with, uh, with assurance, is that sometimes we neglect the Old Testament because of our preconceived ideas about the Old Testament. The, it's hard to understand. You don't understand the stories, can't pronounce the names, and the list just goes on and on and on, and sometimes we focus so much on the New Testament But I'm a firm believer that the New Testament makes more sense when you read it alongside of the Old Testament. The Old Testament has great value. Jesus didn't come to destroy the law nor do away with it. He came to fulfill the law. And in the pages of the Old Testament, you will see that God's redemptive work was being done even before Jesus came, was born of a virgin, and before he died on the cross God's redemptive work was being done in the pages of even in the Old Testament. Now sometimes you've got to look twice to see what God is doing. But I promise you, if you will look twice and allow the Holy Spirit to illuminate the Word of God to you, you you'll begin to see what God is beginning to do even in the Old Testament, and you'll see the progression of the redemptive work of God all the way from Genesis to Revelation. For one of the things that I think is important is that you know, the Scripture says in 1 Corinthians, you don't have to turn there, but 1 Corinthians 15, 22. The Scripture says very clearly, 1 Corinthians 15, 22, Paul makes this statement that I think is, um, is an outstanding statement. And I think that we understand it when you couple it with the, New, with the Old Testament. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 22. For as in Adam all died, but in Christ we all shall be made alive. So Paul made very clear that in Adam, we all died, but in Christ, we are all made alive. Now that's interesting to me because if you go to Genesis chapter five, go to Genesis chapter five, and I want you to see a a few phrases here. Genesis chapter five, Genesis chapter five. If you're there, say I'm there. And I want you to look at verse number eight. Genesis 5, verse number 8. And I want you to see the last few words of that sentence. So in the days of Seth were 912 years and he died. Genesis chapter 5 is the genealogy of Adam. It's the family tree of Adam. Somebody say that with me. The family tree. Now, what did Paul say? For in Adam we all, and in Christ we're all made so let's review this one more time. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, in Adam we all but in Christ we're all made what? Made alive. In Genesis 5, the genealogy of Jesus, excuse me, the genealogy of Adam, it is clear by the words here. Now you just got to pay attention to the wording here. In S- the days of Seth is 912 years and he what? He died you go down and you read verse number verse number 11, and this just gives a description of all these people. Verse number 11, so in the days of Enosh was 905 years, and he, somebody say, and he died. Look at verse 14, so in all the days of Canaan was 910 years, and he, he what? He died. Verse number 17, so all the days of Mahaleli we 895 years, and he died. What do you think the Old Testament is clearly indicating to us? I know they're dying a physical death. But there's a spiritual application here. Paul said, in Adam we all, come on, all together. In Adam we all, but in Christ we're all made. In Genesis chapter 5 is the genealogy of Adam. And look at the phrase here. So-and-so begot so-and-so, and and he... So-and-so begot so-and-so, and and he... So-and-so begot so-and-so, and he... Because Paul said, everyone in Adam is going to die, but everybody in Christ is going to be made alive. Now, that's the genealogy of Adam. Then you go over to Matthew chapter 1, and this is the genealogy of Jesus. Matthew chapter number 1. In verse number 2, or look at verse number 1, look at the genealogy of Jesus, Matthew chapter 1 and verse number 1. Matthew chapter 1 and verse number 1. Look at the phrase here, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham begot Isaac, Isaac begot Jacob, Jacob begot Judah and his brothers. It's interesting, and for the sake of time, I'm not going to read the whole genealogy of Jesus, but I do want you to see that nowhere in this genealogy do you find the words "and he." Nowhere. All throughout the genealogy of Christ, it is the word "and he begot so and so, and he begot so and so, and he begot so." Look at verse number. Look at verse number. Uh, uh, verse number six. And Jesse begot David the king. David the king begot Solomon by her, who has been the wife of Uriah. Go on and on. Over and over, there is no words that indicate that anybody died. Now, we know where they died, obviously, but there is a spiritual application here. The authors here are inspired by the Holy Spirit because the Bible says, Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians 15, for in Adam, we all died, but in Christ, we're all made alive. I'm going to say that again. Are you all with me tonight? In Genesis chapter 5, the genealogy of Adam... The phrase, and he died, and he died, and he died. But you switch over to the New Testament, to the genealogy of Jesus, and you have, and he begot, and he begot, and he begot. You don't find the phrase, and he died. The spiritual application to this is this. When you are in Adam, when you are in sin, you will die. But when you are converted in Christ, you are made alive. Can somebody say hallelujah? Hallelujah. You are made alive. That is the difference between the genealogy of Adam and the genealogy of Jesus. Now, quickly, don't lose me because I want to bring this out to you. Go back to Genesis chapter 5, and I want you, there is something significant that's going to be placed on this board. You will not understand the significance of what's placed on the board if you don't go with me in the progression. Are you ready? So we're going to progress something. Take your Bibles. If you have your Bible or your phone, go to Genesis chapter 5, and I want you to see the genealogy of Adam. This is the first man ever created, and he has a family tree. He has a family tree. And I am convinced that in the family tree, God... Listen to Pastor Josh. I'm convinced that in the genealogy of Adam, God's redemptive work was being made manifested. Now, to the common reader you may not pick up on it. But I believe that further study reveals the redemptive plan of God in the book of Genesis chapter 5. Now, I certainly don't believe there was a book written many years ago about the Bible code that you had to dissect the Bible and find these different codes that revealed certain things. Now, I don't know whether that's true or not. I don't have the book, nor did I study it. I do believe that there is one revelation of scripture. Can I hear an amen? Not many revelations. There's one revelation, and many illuminations of the one revelation. See, many people say, boy, I got a revelation. You didn't get a revelation. You got an illumination of something that was already written and spoken thousands of years ago. Can I hear an amen? It was already there. You know, it's kind of like you read something and tell somebody and they're like, yeah, I've already saw that years ago. But you didn't see it because the Holy Spirit brought it to your mind and to your heart. So you had an illumination of the one revelation, all right? One revelation, not the book of revelations. It's revelation, right? It's not Walmarts. It's Walmart. Can I hear an amen? Look to your neighbor and tell your neighbor, it's Walmart, not Walmarts. Okay. Okay. Now, let's just go on. (laughs) Oh, gosh. So, here here we go. You ready? Genesis chapter 5. And I want you to see something. Look at the word, Genesis chapter 5, verse 1. If you could put it there behind me. This is the book of the genealogy of Adam. In the day that God created man, he made man in his likeness... He made him in the likeness of God. Now stop here. That's interesting to me because I already thought the creation story was in chapter 2. You know, you read chapter 2, God made Adam from the ground. And now the story is like, well, this is, this is, this is God. Well, actually, this is what's really interesting. I don't have time to go into it. Genesis chapter 1 is a creation account. But Genesis chapter 2 is a creation account too. There's two creation accounts in the book of Genesis. If you don't know that, promise you. two create. We think there's one. There's two. Genesis chapter 1, there is a general account of what happens. God makes heaven, he makes the earth, he makes male and female after his likeness. Genesis chapter 2, it tells the same story, but it tells it in a different way. In Genesis chapter 2, it says he makes male and female, but... The attention is on the woman in Genesis chapter 2. In Genesis chapter 1, it's the account of creation of mankind, the world, etc. Genesis chapter 2 is another account. Genesis chapter 2 and verse number 1. It clearly tells us that there's two creation accounts in the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 2, look at it. Genesis chapter 2 and verse number 1. Genesis 2, verse number 1, it says, "...the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished." On the seventh day, God entered the work that he has done and rested on the seventh day. Then God blessed them. Look at verse number four. This is the history of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God of heaven made them. And then it gives the history of the account of creation a second time. It tells us in Genesis 1, Genesis chapter 2 is another account. Most theologians believe this. Genesis 1 is called the priestly account. Genesis 2 is called the Yahweh account because the Hebrew word for the name God is Yahweh in Genesis chapter 2 verse 4, the Yahweh account. Genesis 1 is the priestly account because it's seven days and in those seven days it's systematic in what God was doing and he tells, the writer here is telling the story. Genesis chapter 2 is a Yahweh account, another account of creation where the woman is God's focal point and not necessarily the man. So many theologians believe that although Moses is credited to writing the book of Genesis, but some, there's a majority of people believe that somebody else wrote Genesis chapter 2 and inserted it into the book. Now, however we believe and whoever wrote it, they were inspired by the Holy Spirit to tell us that that creation wasn't something that God just came up with because he was bored, but God was systematic and organized in his way of creating the world. He took his time creating mankind, and especially he took his time creating woman, God's masterpiece in Genesis chapter 2, verse number 4. And all the women of the church, throw your head back, throw your arms up, and say, I know you're preaching now. So let's look at it. Genesis chapter 5, Genesis chapter 5, verse number 1. This is the book of the genealogy of Adam. Everybody say Adam. The word Adam is the Hebrew word which means man. Everybody say man. It's also the Hebrew word which means red clay. So there's two words there, man, humankind, red clay. Several different Hebrew words for this. So what I want you to see is the Hebrew word for Adam, Adam, is the word man, red clay, or humankind humankind. So the book of genealogy of Adam starts with the man called Adam, which means man. Then you go to verse number two. He created them, male and female, blessed them and, and called them mankind in the day they were created. Mankind. You see the word? Because of Adam, mankind, in the day that they were created, then it goes down, and Adam lived one hundred thirty years, but got a son in his own likeness after his image, and named him Seth. Somebody say Seth Seth is the Hebrew word which means appointed appointed. Somebody say appointed. Now why is Seth, why is Seth appointed? Because you remember Cain killed Abel, and Satan got into this. he got into the genealogy here. He got into the family tree because the enemy understood the prophecy of Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 15 that the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. The enemy understood the prophecy. So what did the enemy do? The enemy got into the family tree and he possessed Cain to kill his brother Abel. Abel's blood cried out from the ground. Am I right? So Abel is dead and what happens to Cain? Cain becomes a vagabond, a nomad. He begins to wander the earth and God put a mark on his forehead. So guess what? Adam and Eve was hoping for a seed an heir to crush the head of the devil, but the devil got in, possessed Cain, and killed Abel. Abel's dead, and Cain is possessed of the devil, and the enemy thought he was winning, but how many can say amen? God said, I'm going to appoint another person, and through that person, I'm going to make sure that a Messiah is going to come, and he's going to crush the head of the serpent. So his name means Seth. Everybody say Seth. So you have Adam, which means man, or humankind, and then you have Seth, which means appointed, appointed. Look at verse number four. Read down the genealogy of Jesus. Verse number four, and he begot Seth. Now, don't lose me because I want to bring out something at the end, so stay with me, okay? Verse number four, and he begot Seth in the days of Adam were 800 years, and he had sons and daughters. Now, have you ever thought, why did they live so long? God changed that after the flood because he saw that the hearts of men were wicked. Can you imagine if Hitler would have lived to be 800 and some years old? He would have destroyed a whole lot more people than those million and some Jews that he, that he killed. So God shortened the days of man because their hearts were evil. Okay, So they, they were living 800 and some years. They had sons and they daughters. And I want you to see here, verse number uh, 4, He begot Seth, and the days of Adam was hundred, uh, 800 Years, and he had sons and daughters. So all the days of Adam were 930 years, and he, somebody say, and he died. Verse number six, Seth lived 105 years and begot Enosh. Somebody say Enosh. The word Enosh means mortal, mortal or frail or miserable. So Enosh means mortal, frail, or miserable. Frail or miserable, I mean Why? Because sin was progressing on the earth and you can see the outcry of the human heart here because names in the Old Testament symbolize always something, okay? Can I hear an amen? I mean, nowadays we choose names. We name people after cars. We name people after all kinds of things. There's nothing wrong with that, but there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I don't want you to think it's wrong, but in the Old Testament, they were very, very specific and naming people either after an event or an event that occurred or something that they were anticipating. And so you could see the cry of what's happening here in the human heart. So Enosh means frail or miserable or mortal. Now go on, go on. So you have Enosh. This is the genealogy of Jesus. Verse number 7, Genesis chapter 5, verse 7. And he begot Enosh. Seth lived 107 years, had sons and daughters. Verse number 8. So all the days of Seth was 912 years, and he died. Somebody said, and he died. Somebody said, and he died. Enosh lived, 900 year, 90, lived 90 years and begot Canaan. Is that right? 90? 90 years and begot Canaan. I look at that and I say, there is hope for Josh Pennington. I'm just joking. So... <laughs> You know, the scriptures can really encourage you when you read it. Can I hear an amen? <laughs> All right, I'm, I'm just joking with you. So he lived 90 years and begot Canaan. Some pronounce it Canaan. however you pronounce it. But Canaan here means sorrow, sorrow, sorrow. So do you see the progression here? Adam, the Hebrew word for Adam is what? Man. Participate with me. Adam means Seth means appointed. Enosh means mortal or miserable. Canaan means sorrow. So you see, you see the you see the genealogy of Adam. There's something significant because we just compared it to the genealogy of Jesus. So one person after another, their name is symbolic of what's going on. Now, let's go on down and see what Canaan happens. Verse number 11, Genesis chapter 5, verse number 11, and he begot Canaan. Enosh lived 815 years and had sons and daughters. So in all the days that Enosh were 905 years and he, and he died. Canaan lived 70 years and begot Mahalili. Somebody say Mahalili. And after he begot Mahalali, Canaan lived 840 years, had sons and daughters. So all the days of Canaan were 910 years. And he, Mahalali, or Mahalala, means the blessed God, or praising God. Two different words, praising God or blessed God. Some people add the article the before it and call it the blessed God. So we don't know whether the article was actually there, but we do know it means something about blessing God, Mahalili, to bless God. Now let's look at what this man, what his family tree is. So Mahalili, here's the genealogy here. It goes on down, verse number 15. Verse 15, he lived, how long? He lived 65 years and he begot Jared. So here is Jared, here's the son of Mahalili. And Jared's name in the Hebrew means to come down, or to descend, to come down, or to descend. Now, do you see God's redemptive work in the genealogy of Adam? Don't lose me. The genealogy of Adam spells death. And he died, and he died, and he died, and he died. Paul echoed the words that all in Adam will die But in Christ, we're all made alive. God understood that. The writers understood that the humankind was infiltrated with sin because of what the serpent did. But in the pages of the genealogy record, God was working His redemptive power and purpose. Adam in the Hebrew means what? Adam means what? Seth means... Enosh means, Canaan means, Mahaleli means, Jared means, shall come down. Now go down to verse 16. Genesis 5 verse 16. After he begot Jared, Mahaleli lived 830 years and had sons and daughters. So in all the days of Mahaleli, we're 895 years, and he died. All right? Jared lived 162 years and begot Enoch. Somebody say Enoch. So who did Jared begot? Enoch. Enoch is the Hebrew word which means to teach or commandment to teach or to command or a commandment. And the scripture records that after Enoch, Enoch had a, a baby. The Bible says, verse number 20, Genesis five twenty. for all the days of was 962 years he died. Enoch lived 65 years, begot Methuselah. After he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years, had sons and daughters. Now, isn't it interesting that in the genealogy of death, somebody started walking with God? Can I just, can I hear an amen? Can can I say that one more time? In the genealogy of death, someone decided to do a paradigm shift and change the course of things and started walking with God. Do you know what will change death to life when you start walking with God? That brings things to life. Enoch begin to walk with God. He had sons and he has daughters. He's walking with God. Out of all these people, the writer, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, made sure we understand that there's at least one person in this genealogy that began to walk with God. It's ironic his name means teaching or commandment because you can't walk with God unless you obey his teaching and commandment can't walk with God unless you're following his principles and precepts. Now, what teaching and commandment did he have? Did he have the Bible? He didn't have our Bible, but he walked with God, and God was giving him teachings. God was giving him commandments. You know, the book of Jude records that there's a book called Enoch where the Lord will come with his 10,000 of his saints. It's not in the canon of Scripture, but there is a book called Enoch where it's recorded that he said the Lord will come with 10,000 of his saints. So he's walking with God, Enoch. Enoch. Methuselah, he has Methuselah. Can I hear an amen? He has Methuselah. Methuselah is recorded as the oldest man who ever lived. Is that right? Before I move on, look at the phrase in Jude. If you could do that bow for me. Jude, verse number 14. Enoch here, now I just think I need to mention it before I go on, Enoch here is mentioned in the book of Jude. Now, there's, not much mentioned about Ju- uh, not, there's not much mentioned about Enoch, but Jude, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, mentions this man and says, now Enoch, the seventh from Adam, he said he prophesied about these men saying, behold, the Lord comes with 10,000 of his saints. How did he know that? Because he was walking with the Lord and the Lord revealed it to him. His name means teaching and commandment. Now, let's go back here. I'm almost done. How many still with Pastor Josh? Are you all on your cell phones or are you looking at me? Are you all with me? Are you all with me? You ready for it? I just want to know if you're with me. How many say I'm with you, Pastor? Okay. You're not bored, are you? Okay, good. So, Methuselah is the word which means His death shall bring. His death shall bring. Now, isn't it interesting? The reason that Methuselah, his name means his death shall bring, is because the flood of Noah never occurred until after Methuselah died. So his very death brought destruction. So when Methuselah died, then God brought the flood right after Methuselah's death. There was a great flood. Now, it isn't interesting, I'm sure people back then, if they knew about it, if Methuselah got sick, they're like, dude, you can't get sick because if you die, God's going to flood the earth. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) you got to make sure that you live here because if you die, God's going to flood the earth. So Methuselah, his name means his death shall bring because it was after him, shortly after him, that God brought the flood. Now, Methuselah, he's the oldest man living here. So he lived in the time of Noah. He lived nine hundred and some years here, but he has a son, and the scripture records his son is Lamech. Lamech. Look at verse number twenty-two, Genesis five twenty-two. After he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God had walked with God three hundred years and had sons and daughters. So in all the days of Enoch. Where 365 years Enoch walked with God and he was not for, God took him. Boy, that's shouting. Somebody say amen. People say, I don't believe in the rapture. Well, let me tell you, God can take you. God took Enoch. He was not for, God took him. He took the prophet in a chariot of fire. He took Philip after he baptized the eunuch. He was caught up and the eunuch saw him no more. Jesus was caught up in a cloud and the angel said, this same Jesus that you see taken up will be the same Jesus that will appear in like manner. Is there somebody that can say amen? So, I'm not here to preach on the rapture, so you all get me too excited here. So let me slow down. So, Enoch walked with God, for God took him. And he has a little boy here. God took him. Methuselah lived, verse 25, Genesis five twenty. Methuselah lived 100, 187 years, and begot Lamech. Lamech. The word Lamech means despairing. It also means Sad. Despairing. Then from Lamech, the Bible says, verse number 27, So in all the days of Methuselah were 969 years, and he died. Verse 28, Lamech lived 182 years and had one son, had a son. And he called his name, he called his name, Noah. Now, the word Noah means in the Hebrew to bring relief. It also means to comfort, to bring relief. It's interesting that in this genealogy of death, and look at it in a spiritual sense here. We know we know people die physically, but you see that there's a spiritual application here. That in Adam we all die. But you see that there's a paradigm shift here when people begin to call on the name of the Lord. Noah begins to find favor in the sight of God. Why? Because somebody in their recent lineage made a decision to turn to God. Can I tell y'all something? You may not think you're making any difference, but you are making a difference in your genealogy. Can I hear an amen? You are making a difference with your sons and your daughters. I am proud of these parents tonight bringing their children to church. You may feel weary and tired, but what you are doing, you are raising up Enoch's and you're raising up Noah's who are seeking the Lord. You are turning this generation of death. You're turning around, bringing them into the house of God and raising up life-filled, spirit-filled Enoch's and Noah's who will serve God even in a generation of death. Thank God for parents Faithfully bring their children to the house of God. It's once a week, folks. It ain't gonna kill you. Once a week. Remember, let's not make let's not make out like it's a burden. (gasps) Once a week. So you see the progression here? These are the Hebrew words. And you first, Adam, man. Seth, appointed. Enosh, mortal. Canaan, sorrow. Mahaleli, the blessed God. Jared, shall come down. Enoch, teaching. Methuselah, his death shall bring. Lamech, the despairing. Noah, rest in comfort. God was saying in a generation of death, in a generation where people are following self-gratification, in a generation where people are running after the world, I am preparing somebody that's going to come, and he is going to come. The blessed God shall come down. He shall teach, and his death is going to bring rest and comfort to those who are despairing. That right there is the gospel in the book of Genesis. The gospel is found in the genealogy of Adam. Man was appointed. He was created. He is mortal. He is full of sorrow. But there is a blessed God that shall come down. He shall teach. And he shall bring life and rest and comfort to those who are despairing. Woo! Somebody help this preacher tonight. Clap your hands for the blessed God that shall come down and bring us help. Right in the book of Genesis, God is saying, I am preparing myself to come and intervene in a generation that has followed their own selfish desires and gratitude. I'm going to come down and I'm going to teach them, and my death is going to bring those despairing people rest and comfort. Hallelujah. Somebody wave your hand and say, Thank you, Lord. You see, what are you saying, Pastor Josh? I am saying that there are some things that your head cannot understand. Or reason. Some, there are some things you can't calculate. So that's a faith walk. There are some things you can't calculate. There are some things you can't plan. You should plan to the best of your ability. There are some things that is a sacrifice. Sacrifices sometimes are senseless. It doesn't make sense. Sometimes... God causes us to walk through this journey even though the journey seems like it's despairing and the journey seems like it's sorrowful and the journey seems like it's not worth living. And God is saying that you're only looking at it from your perspective. Because I have a different perspective that I see this thing. People get mad at God. You know why people get mad at God? It's easy to get mad at God. It's easy to become frustrated. It's easy to say it's easy to have those feelings. The only reason we have those feelings is because we're mortal. We're human and we don't see the whole picture. We don't understand everything. We're God was working even in the genealogy of Adam. For Paul echoed the words, in Adam we all die, but in Christ we all shall Be made alive. Man was appointed to be mortal. Full of sorrow. But the blessed God came. He came down. He taught us. His very death brought rest and comfort to those who are despairing. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your love.